0: Welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today.
1: it's such an honor to be with you. Um, My beautiful wife Rebecca is with me. Um, I just want to honor was that me? Just when I said honor there's some demon in the sound system tried to attack it so I'm gonna cast that out right now. Okay I just want to honor your pastors Sometimes, sometimes we get really just used to mum and dad's cooking. Yeah. Yeah. And we can go down the street to McDonald's and think that that's better than mum and dad's cooking. That's a lie. We all know that. Okay. And there's something so valuable about faithful pastors week in, week out, month in, month out. More than just sermons and more than just great worship caring for your souls. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was introduced to your pastor by my friend, Apostle Mike, and he spoke very highly. And uh, so I did some due diligence, as I'm sure he did with me. Matter of fact, I know he did with me. <laughs> and that's the mark of a good, that's the mark of a good leader. You don't just yeah. let anyone, this is a sacred place. Yeah. This is an altar of the Lord. This is not just some casual piece of carpet that people step in, and this is a holy place that should have the fear of the Lord, and so just to you, I want to commend your pastors and leaders that you have good people that care for your soul, and that are watching over you, that are fighting for you, so I honor you, and thank you for trusting me. It's a big deal to let a pastor, another pastor that you haven't met come and preach, because there's a bunch of wolves out there, and so that's why I just want to take a moment, but uh, my wife and I, we were sent to this nation by the Lord, four months married. We were, we were, we were in a really comfortable situation in New Zealand. We had good jobs, great, great income. Four months married, the Lord sent us. In the first two years that we came, see, we didn't understand the political st- situation in the United States. We just said yes, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to do your due diligence when Jesus tells you stuff. You're supposed to say yes. You don't get a choice anointing. That's actually an anointing. I don't got a choice anointing. I got obedience anointing. Okay, that's an anointing. Okay, and we came here, and for the first couple of years, we came here in uh, early 2011, April 6, 2011. And when we came here, it was post-recession, and people were starving. Businesses were failing. We came from real comfortable situation into a place of obedience where we were in the right place, but she went from a really high-paying university job to folding towels after six months. We didn't have, she didn't have a job for six months. I opened a little business, and that business didn't make nothing for the first year and a half, and I was out pounding pavements, putting out brochures, just had nothing. See, obedience sometimes with the Lord doesn't look in the natural like it pays off at first. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. But faith costs something. There's a way that seems right to a man. Comfort, right? Big salaries. There's a way that seems right to a man. But that leads to destruction. But the paths of God are often narrow, difficult, uncomfortable, and challenging, right. and unfair. And all the rights that you think you're supposed to have, you have to lose those to be obedient. Right. You have to have a nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right. So we came in the first couple of years, we starved. And when I say we starved, we couldn't afford French fries after church. True story in Southern California. And I'm a diligent, hardworking guy. Slowly but surely, God blessed the hand of our work, uh, the work of our hands. We had a little business, and it just started f- flourishing, and I mean, booming—400% growth every year. That's serious, but that's not. And I had people that were in my industry saying, "Oh, what's going on? What, wh- how did this happen for you?" Well, it's easy to celebrate my success, but no one saw the pain. No one saw the cost. No one saw the sacrifice. This isn't my skill and talent and favor. This is God's blessing because I'm willing to be faithful when it doesn't seem like it makes any sense in the natural. And so we came here and we, 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 we planted a church very quickly and we were just faithful with people. We've been doing that for the last 12 years and God's been good to us. It hasn't been easy. If anyone tells you it's easy, I doubt that they're actually working with God. That's just a straight up fact. If anyone says, oh, it's just been easy, like, you know, I had a pastor recently said, I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. It's not fun anymore. And I just looked at him. I said, it's never been about fun, pal. I don't know what brochure you wrote into, but this is not that one. And God's been good to us. And so we we now have three, we have three young boys that are growing up, which, by the way, I didn't tell you where I got sent. I got sent to Demon Central, Southern California. See, I didn't know about the geopolitical landscape of your nation. But I do know about the Holy Spirit. You see? (laughs) And when we got there, a lot of churches in that region are compromised. Most of the people are unteachable. Most of the people are orphans, wounded, rejected, broken, independent, rebellious. Just being straight up. And I'm saying it in the most love I can. Don't judge me. But, I mean, they're 12 years, which gives me somewhat of an expertise on the territory. Right. And we could have had a much bigger church if we just changed a few things and compromised a few things. But in the kingdom, we don't compromise. There's a no-compromise gospel. It's just, it's just, There's just no other way to explain that. Any other way, you're dealing with a thief and a robber. And so our, our, our kingdom and our, our king, he's a king that speaks in absolutes. He doesn't speak in mystical, whimsical gray areas. He speaks in absolutes. Yeah. And I like to tell people that I'm going to get to a message in just a second. I didn't have a message till halfway through worship, and then God was like, okay. But I've been praying for you all day. But this is what God does to me all the time. It happens a lot. Don't be scared. It's just how it works with me. But might be, I don't follow a rule book. There's no seminary that tells me how I'm supposed to do it. I follow the, his voice. Yes. And I've been asking not for a generic word, but for a word for you. Right. So, I was about to tell you something and then I got distracted. So, God has been really good. We've seen amazing miracles, seen the goodness of God. Right Right before COVID hit, my wife and I were on a little vacation. I we was sitting by a pool, minding my business, and the Holy Spirit comes to me, just you know, interrupting me, just trying to zone out. You know You know how that is? He's pretty good like that. You're just trying to mind your business, zone out and like declutter your mind, and he just turns up and starts giving you another assignment, because that's how he is. He comes, he comes to me, and this is before COVID. And he doesn't give this context, he just starts speaking. He said, they. And when he says they, he's often talking about not us. Just as a point, okay? Uh, this is, that was not a pronoun dig, by the way. But uh, anyways, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't, but... It wasn't. <laughs> he said, they are going to try and control you with currency, food, and medicine. And then he started talking to me about land, crops, and having herds and animals. Interesting, huh? Isn't it amazing how God tells you things before they happen so that when, when they try and do stuff to control you, you've already got the play cards? And so, so the stuff started happening, and, you know, then right at the very beginning of just a couple of weeks to flatten the curve... We've curved so far, we've gone full circle a few times. Has anyone noticed that? We've gone loopy loopy. (laughs) Holy Spirit spoke to me, and and he'll, he'll tell me to do stuff. He said, I want you to preach. And he told me a message title. He said he called it the gene war. And the short version is, since the beginning, there's been a seed war between the lineage of Eve and the lineage of Lucifer. You can see that in the garden, I don't have time to get into it, your pastor's an amazing theologian, He he already speaks this language. And how, before I even understood what was happening with the things they wanted to put in your arm, right, for the sake of the algorithm, how that stuff was trying to change your genetics. And so we just we, we got a bit of traction and attention. I didn't realize that just being obedient was gonna, you know, hundreds of thousands of views, and people got really excited about it, and people also got really angry about it, yep. which is what happens. Yep. But listen, the same young man that came to America and was okay to not have french fries in order to make God-pleased rather than me comfortable was the same man that was willing to to put messages out there that maybe are unpopular. That's who God's looking for. Not putting myself on a pedestal here. See, obedience isn't greatness. As long as it's obedience to the right thing. Unfortunately in the world, obedience is not what makes most celebrities. Our job is to find God and to be obedient to what he says. And so like I was starting to say a little earlier, my wife and I could have changed two or three little details about our standards, our beliefs, the way we do things. and We would have a very significant church in Southern California. But we just came to this understanding between us and God and between us and each other, between the two of us, that obedience is better than productivity. I would rather be obedient and look smaller than try and make my own version of what God's supposed to be and look big to people. That was the sin of Saul. Remember, that was his last hurrah where God washes his hands, remember? He's like, hey, just make me look good, Samuel. Let's just figure this thing out. So we came here and we've just been obedient to God and I really believe that we've been called to this nation. So that's kind of a little bit about us, okay? But in the midst of that, isn't it interesting how the landscape of this timeline in our nation is changing? Things that were never imaginable before yes. Yes. aren't just imaginable. We're looking at them. Yes. Hello. And, and just recently, over the last little bit, you know, I told you a couple of years ago that the, three, three and a half years ago, sitting by a pool, the Lord was talking to me about currency, food, and medicine being controlling leverages. Now, the church has to be aware of this. I'm not, this is not me going into a, uh, a rant. I'm going somewhere with this. But the, we have to be, the Bible says that a godly man or a man of God or a woman of God sees evil, calamity, or wickedness coming, and they avoid it. Yeah. Because we're listening to the heart of God, yeah. and we're not gullible to the wiles, which is a, which is a military strategic word, wiles, of the enemy. Are we tracking? Yeah. So, so we have to start to become heightened in our alertness to what God's saying more than ever before because the stakes are up. Yeah. And I feel the spirit of God just starting to flow in this room right now. Not that he hasn't already been, but I just, I really just feel like God's wanting to put some stuff in us tonight. Yeah. There's a quick scripture I want to turn to, and I'm sorry I didn't get you verses ahead of the game. It's that I only got this from the Lord halfway through worship. So I'm going to be mainly reading from New King James tonight. Hopefully that's a sanctified translation for you guys. (laughs) If not, just grace me out. You know what I mean? (laughs) In Genesis chapter 47 and verse 5, then Pharaoh, now this is already when Joseph has proven himself. He's out of the dungeon now he's now essentially the chancellor or the prime minister. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. Okay. So I do believe God is wanting to position kingdom people. Don't tell me that that we aren't called to do that stuff. It's just that we're not supposed to compromise who we are to become that. I'm not called to sell my soul. If getting to a place of position and influence causes me to lose who I used to be, the young man that was willing to not have, even be able to afford french fries after a church service, then I have lost my soul. And that's not for sale. My birthright is not for sale. In, in, in the back of my Bible that, I've, that I went through my 20s with, I put in big writing, my birthright is not for sale. Take a page out of Esau's story. God goes on to say that, hey, Jacob, I've loved the dude that was a swindler, but valued the right thing. And Esau, I've hated someone that had a calling, had a destiny, had a birthright, and he despised it and sold out to get something else. That was temporary. See, we in our societies and our communities are supposed to have influence. And maybe not influence like what the world defines as influence. But I'm telling you that this nation has crossed lines and there are certain consequences coming down the pipe that are going to hurt. Unless we're listening to God. Doesn't mean it won't be tight, but it means that I don't come under the curse that the world's getting for buying into evil. I'm a different son. And I have a different covenant. That's why when David stepped onto the battlefield with Goliath, his first statement was to his brothers, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Translation, who is this uncovenanted pagan? That's the translation. He understood the power that he had a covenant with God, and this guy didn't. Automatically, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this. 14-year-old boy outshines most of the modern Western church. Most of the celebrity preachers yep. talk a big game behind a TV camera, but wouldn't in, in a real life scenario would melt and wither away. Yep. See, we need Davids that understand the covenant with God. And that's what's needed in this next season. Amen? Amen? Come on, Holy Spirit. Okay, so verse 5. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, his second in command, saying, Your fathers and brothers have come to you. Stop right there. Tough times are coming and people are coming to you. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, but maybe next year, maybe the year after. I can't, I'm not here to prophesy timing. But I am here to say, w- whether it's a national issue or a family issue or a community issue or a local disaster issue, your family, people are coming to you. And they should come to you because you have a covenant with heaven. You better hope they don't go to the government Because the government's going to wrap them up and trap them up. Hello? That's what that system does. It enslaves people. It induces seasons of poverty to get people into welfare systems. Generational slavery. I come from a lineage of generational breakthrough. I come from a lineage. I'm not talking in the natural right now. I'm talking about a spiritual lineage of chain breakers. Come on. We carry the hope of the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I better have something that can answer someone else's day of distress. I'm not trying to be charismatic, it's just this stuff fires me up. I can't help who God's made me to be. And I need to have an answer in someone else's day of distress and not be the one distressed myself because God told me in advance some stuff's coming down the pike. Okay. Your brothers have come to you. Watch this. And I'm not preaching on this all night. I've actually got a message. But this, I feel like I need to say this. I need to get this out and just get it into your, into your consciousness and your spirit. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers, watch this, dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. Say Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, make them the chief herdsmen over my livestock. Because he'd already asked them, what are you good at? They said, we've been shepherds. Now here's something. Pharaoh speaks of government. Pharaoh is government. Okay. Joseph is kingdom leadership. Joseph is favor. Okay, and the brothers are all of those who are connected with you but didn't take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's where it gets tough, is because you took it seriously because you were listening to God, we still have to make sure that our heart is soft enough that the people that mocked us and laughed at us get mercy when they come and not hatred. Because yeah. yeah. I've got to look like Jesus who still says forgive them when they're, when they're putting me on a cross. Yeah. So we've got to shift a little bit is where we're going tonight with this message. But I just want to encourage you, we're all at different places in life, we're all in different levels, I'm not trying to bring distress to anyone, I'm not trying to be a doomsday sayer, but I am trying to say, one way or the other, calamity's coming. Is there oil in your lamp? One way or another, a family member's gonna get sick at some point, is there oil in your lamp? Do you have an answer for them? One way or another, what if food becomes a problem? Can you multiply loaves and fishes? Come on, guys. This is the kingdom that we're a part of here. This is not foreign language. Jesus said, everything I've done, you're going to do. And greater. Hello? So this is an exciting time. And can I just say this? Hardship, persecution, and tribulation breeds a stronger church. Because the compromise get off the boat. And honestly, they might need to. They might need to be honest about their compromise. Now, I pray God grants them repentance. I'm not looking for judgment. But I am looking for definition. The world deserves to see who the bride of Christ is. Because that's why America right now is in a mess. Is because something else, pretending to be the bride of Christ, has stood up and taken ownership for what we should be holding. Come on, it's a fact. Okay, we good? I just want to talk to you about Jesus tonight. Who here needs healing in their body? Come on, let's be honest. Who here needs healing in their body? Come on, praise Jesus. Why not? Why not tonight? Why not tonight? We've seen more cancer healed in the last couple of two, three years than I can count. And I'm talking tumors tangibly jumping out of people's bodies. Tangibly tumors jumping out of people's bodies. Guys, I'm telling you, this cancer thing, it doesn't have power up against the name of Jesus. We just recently, I just shared it last, uh, yesterday morning. We had a lady that's been with us for several years. She's an older lady now. She had four different types of cancers. The doctor's told her, you're going to die. Go say goodbye to everyone, you're going to die. Cancer free. The name of Jesus destroys cancer's power. We have watched cancer after cancer after cancer die. Stop believing doctors. I'm I'm appreciative for doctors. But look at what some of the, the doctors have told us in the last few years. They don't know what they're talking about. They're trying to figure out their profession. Like, God bless them, and we do need doctors. Jesus had doctors on his teams. But Jesus didn't need healing. He is the healer. He doesn't heal. He is the healer. It's like God doesn't love. He is love. Manifest. Everything about him exudes love. Come on. We can do this. We can look. Darkness straight in the eye and not bow. Straight in the eye and say, you do not move me. I'm not afraid of you. I am not here to bow. That's, that's what this whole last three years has been about. It hasn't been about medical stuff. It's been about fear. Who do you worship? The king of heaven or the demon of oppression? Because I'd rather, I'd rather die than bow to that thing. The reason people die of stuff is because they become afraid of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, right. a doctor says you're going to die. They become afraid. They agree. They come into an oath covenant with death, yeah. and then they die. Yeah. And that's not who we are. Right. That's why Jesus had to send all the mourners out of the house at Jairus' house, because he had to get disagreement out the room. Yeah. Please catch this. He had to get the disagreement out of the room. So he could work in faith. Yes. Hello? Yeah. Okay. You good? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you one more quick story, then I'm gonna preach a message. Is that all right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I just love Jesus and I love the fact that he is so passionate about healing and helping yeah. and enriching our lives. Yes. And I don't mean that from a from a greasy angle. I was in Indonesia a couple of years ago they brought this little 4-year-old boy the power of god was moving so tangible i'm going to say some stuff that's going to mess with you hopefully i'm not going to mess with you you guys are spirit people right yeah, yeah. you guys love the spirit yeah. a tangible purple cloud opened up above me <laughs> that you could tangibly see that everyone could see a tangible purple it looked like a like a ring like a, I don't know if I don't, I don't want to use the word portal, but it kind of looked like that. And people started getting healed. Jesus was healing people crazy. They brought this little boy up to me. It's probably a thousand people in the room. And these are the poorest of the poor people. We think we have poverty in America. Come with me. I'm gonna show you poverty. There's people that have nothing, and they have no hope. They brought this little four-year-old boy, and I got four-year-old boys at the time. My boys are seven now. No, my boys were five at the time, I think. No, actually it was. It was three years right before the pandemic started. They bought this four-year-old little boy, but his leg on this side looked like this. The bone had actually grown like a curve. Now, what do you do for that? He was born that way. He developed that way. And I just, I wept because it's like, you just think about all the kids that are, kids can be the cruelest creatures on the planet. Just thinking about the names that kids called, the identity, the, the value issues. And I just took this little boy's hand from his mama, said, give me a minute, mama. And I just put my hand up to Jesus and I start walking back and forth on the stage. And in front of everybody, in front of everybody, that little boy's leg went like this just straighten right out. Do you know what that does for mama? That changes everyone's world. That's Jesus. This is the Jesus we're with. The Jesus we're with doesn't live by the rules out those doors. The Jesus that we're with can do anything. Destroying cancer, healing the lame. Oh, I'll tell you another one. In that same meeting, because I'm just remembering right now, you see so many miracles, you start to forget. This one's, this one's out there, because this one's going to mess with you, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but Jesus is so awesome that he just doesn't get to live by your rules of what you think is okay. We well, he brought this man up to me. He's in his probably early 30s, and he's weeping, crying his eyes out. Now, I don't mean to sound weird. I love every single skin color, but just hear what I'm about to say. This is, a, this is an Indonesian Asian man, and he looks green. He looks green. He is not a healthy boy. And they bring him up to me, and I say, what do you need? I, I know what he needs. He needs help. <laughs> but I need you to tell me what you need, because that's where you need to have faith. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'm telling you this because I want faith to come up in the room, because I'm believing for people to get healed tonight. And he says, "I." He said, "I used to be a homosexual, and I got HIV." And he said, "I'm about." He said, "God set me free from it," and he said, "Now I'm now I'm getting married to this woman, this young girl," and he said, "And I'm terrified that'll i kill her." Do you understand the, how intense that statement is? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I'm just a kid from New Zealand. I I can't fix you. Only Jesus can do that. So I lift up my hands and I say, Jesus, you know. And I said, AIDS, get out. Get out. See, I used to be a bouncer. I didn't tell you this part. I used to (laughs) I came back to Jesus as a bouncer in a nightclub. So you gotta get good at kicking stuff out. <laughs> I said, HIV AIDS, I curse you at the core. This man's repented. I command you to get out of this body. You know what I saw next was one of the most and I've seen this once before, I saw it in Africa. I watched the green. It was like you guys remember those little magnetic things that you draw on as a kid? I forget what they what are they called? Magnadoodles. Magna doodles. See, I'm from New Zealand, and we had different names for stuff. And I've said the names we had for things in New Zealand, and people look at me like this. I got in trouble my first year of preaching in this country because some of the things we say are real bad here, and they're like not bad there at all. And like totally normal words, just got different meanings here. So I've got to be real careful how I say stuff. You, you understand that. You go to different nations, you've got to be real careful. Get people all offended. But, anyways, that thing where you wipe that magnetic. It looked like that. I watched the color, like a line wiped him and he was completely healed. Actually, that was, it was four years ago because I returned a year later. My wife came to that trip and we had his wedding the year later. Completely healed. (laughs) Completely. That doesn't happen guys. That's not supposed to happen but Jesus just breaks the rules. So I want to get our expectation up here not just for tonight but for life yes. because we can live in so much breakthrough with Jesus yes. when we actually believe he can do what he says he can do amen yes. Amen. Yes. amen amen that's a good night okay so speaking of filthy lucre we didn't exchange notes okay <laughs> It is how it is. So I want to talk about gold tonight. Gold and silver are probably a good idea in the natural right now. We have a, uh, a daily incumbent driving this nation into the drink. Uh, guys, listen, I'm more patriotic to the kingdom of heaven than to a nation I live in. And I love this nation, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to stick with, with heaven. And so, anyways, that's not really what I'm here to talk about. This is not a patriotic chat, although God bless America. But I do want to talk about gold a little bit tonight. Because I've been looking into silver and gold myself for other reasons. Try and hedge hedge the value of my dollars. (laughs) Okay. Because here's the thing. This is this is what we're talking about. If $100 goes down to value about $8, right. it's not going to be a good day and you're not going to be able to help many people. Right. And if we want to be good stewards with God's money, because every dollar you have belongs to Him anyways. Right. It all belongs to Him. Right. I'm just a caretaker. I'm just a steward. I'm just a manager of the business or the personal account. That's who we are, yeah, okay? Yeah. If everyone's dollars do this, if if we have all kinds of problems with our with our nation's finances, then how are you going to help anybody? And so that's why I've been looking into gold and silver. Just, I'm not preaching that. I'm not trying to sell anything. That's not, that's not what I'm doing. Just doing it for me. And I'm looking into gold and silver, and God started speaking to me about gold and silver a while back. But I just want to share a few things with you tonight about gold, because the world that we've been living in has become very abrasive. Many of you have had family members that have turned on you? Yep. Fact. Thanksgiving's weird. Yep. All right? We've got a couple now. You've got to remember, I live in liberal California. We live in a somewhat conservative pocket, but that's California. Right, So we've got people in our community where they had to go to certain things outside with a plastic screen between them and the rest of the family because yep. we were afraid that we were going to die of an avian flu or something. Okay. Help us Jesus. For real. So I started looking into some of this and the Lord just started he spoke to me about I really felt during worship the Lord really quickened a, a message over you guys tonight. And Unfortunately, I don't know about you, but I've even noticed over the last couple of years, even people's driving has gotten more angry. Have you noticed that? It's weird. It's like the little yellow canary just stopped chirping. And people are driving angry and mean, okay? And relationships have become more toxic because people have been socially engineered over the last three years. You have to understand, it's more than anything of what you've been told it is. It's complete psychological warfare. And so in the midst of that, we as sons and daughters of God have to function at a higher level so that we still represent the kingdom. Because here's newsflash, folks. That stuff hurts. That stuff is real. And that stuff can be very, very painful. And it can get inside of us. Even though you say, God bless you, I forgive you, I'm praying for you in the (laughs) Lord. You can say all that stuff. It hurts. So I want to talk to you about gold tonight. Because you are gold. Mm -hmm. Say, I am gold. 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 We're all gold. Jesus didn't die for junk. He didn't didn't come and pay the ultimate price for garbage. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you've got the lowest self-esteem in this room. Jesus came and he sees you as gold. You are so valuable to him. Pastor, that was an awesome message on the offering tonight. Yes. You never heard that preached before. It was a beautiful message. No one can pay for the lamb. We, 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 I don't care how well off you are. He's out of our budget. Right. Right. He just decided to show us mercy, grace, and a lot of generosity. Right. And if that's his culture, I want to become a generous son. Yes. If the father is generous for God so loved the world that he gave, then I want to become a generous son because I should reflect my father. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to read through 12. I'm going to move quickly here. Now, a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first is Pishon. Um, it is the one which skirts the whole land of havi uh, I'm terrible at these words. I, I apologize, but I'm just... It sounds great in your head, and then you say it out loud, and it's just terrible. Have a laugh. Where there is gold. Interesting that it just goes out of its way to say there's gold there, huh? Right. And the gold of that land is good. So there's not just gold. It's good gold. Right. Exactly. That's the, I didn't know there was bad gold. Exactly. Hold on to that thought. Great thought. Bedlam and and onyx stone are there. So one of the first things that God educates Adam on, by the way, one of those rivers is the Euphrates, which is a biblical landmark to watch out for in our time. It's drying up right now. I'll let you do the rest. One of the first things that God starts to navigate and orient Adam on his orientation day in the garden, he's like, by the way, there's gold down this river. It's really good gold. This is God. Oh, those wealthy prosperity people. (laughs) Listen, some of that is garbage. Some of that stuff's greasy, it's nasty. I don't subscribe to that. But there's a place in God's world that everything has value. Listen, we think gold is our highest point of value in our society. In heaven, gold is the street value. That's the beginning ground level, and everything from there up gets more valuable. But we want, to capture, we want to capture something tonight, and I want us to get something in our hearts. Now watch this. Havilah, which is the, the, the land which that river Pishon circles around, in Hebrew, it means a twist to dance or to writhe. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Hold that thought. Gold is found. You guys ever seen those gold shows on TV? That stuff's fascinating, isn't it? I enjoy watching that stuff. Just a bunch of rugged dudes out trying to dig some yellow stuff out of the ground. (laughs) Half murdering each other in the process. (laughs) Uh, Gold's done some weird stuff. But, but the way that gold is often acquired is that there is a digging and arriving, and then they use the uh, that's what's called a sluice box, and they sift it and then they start doing the panning. And so there's this process which is really a lot of shaking and digging and turning and twisting to get the gold. Tracking? Okay. Gold is found in filtering and sifting through dirt to find the valuable. Gold is found in the dirt where no one else sees value and yet someone with intent finds value. (laughs) No one else can see you, but God does. You know, when I was still in sin, Christ died for me. When I was unattractive, when I was ugly... When I was messed up, bound up, addicted, twisted, trashed, Jesus looked at me and said, you are beautiful. Because I see who you are, not what you're doing. Identity and actions are two different things. Once we understand our identity, our actions start to change. Isn't that good? So gold is one of the heaviest and most valuable precious metals on the planet. There are some others, palladium, there's a couple of others that are considered more valuable, but gold is the most common and one of the most heavy metals that has the highest value. Gold represents two things, purity and value, because when someone talks about gold, you always hear them say, oh, it's pure gold, you heard that, it's pure gold, so it's interesting That purity defines value. Right. Yes. Yep. With gold, purity finds value. If you had a whole bunch of gold, or a big clump of a gold nugget, but half of it was dirt, you'd look at it a little differently. You'd be like, it's kind of gold, but it's also kind of contaminated, right? Okay, so let's, let's go down a few things here. in Revelation chapter 3 verse 18 Revelation 3:18 You see Jesus talking to the church and what does he say I charge you come buy from me gold not just gold gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments, and that you may be clothed and not shamed. But I want to focus in on Jesus. What is he saying? I want, I, you're your, your gold, but I need to refine your gold. He didn't say, you're dirt, come and I'll exchange you for, for gold. He said, come buy from me gold refined in the fire. So I want to talk about this because my father actually happened to be a mytologist, a metologist is someone that studies metal. And I never really appreciated this until a little while ago. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you're in the kitchen, and like, grandma's there or mom's there and she's making cookies. You just want mom to hope and finish. Just make the cookies, mom. I one of the chocolate chip cookies. Three quarter bake. Right, you're sitting there, you're impatient. But what's happening is while you're in the kitchen and mom's cooking, without realizing it, you're learning. And later in life, you realize you're doing the exact same recipe because you watched it over and over, waiting for the result, but realized that the process was training you. And so it's powerful when we can stop and see that God actually teaches us like that. A lot of the times you're in seasons, not realizing that you're waiting for something to happen, but God's actually teaching you something in the process. So that takes us to Ezekiel chapter 11. go to Ezekiel chapter 11. I'm going to go verse 19 through 20. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people And I will be their God. Why am I saying this when I'm talking about gold? Because isn't it interesting that God wants us to have a heart of flesh? And he's come to this person and he's speaking really to Israel. But he's speaking to Israel like it's a physical body. And says, I need to take out. Your heart has become granite. Your heart's become granite. And I want to take that out because it's not functioning properly. And I want to give you a heart of flesh. Now, the interesting thing with a heart of flesh is that a heart of flesh is now soft. You had people say, oh, I've been soft-hearted. That's this. Why am I saying this? I'm going to show you in just a second. Stay with me. Stay with me. I've written this down. I need to read this because there's something on this. So let's talk about gold again. Gold is a prized metal that jewellers use, yes? They add other metals into the gold jewellery that most of you are wearing. Here's Here's the metals they add copper, silver, nickel, palladium, and zinc. Why do they do this? To harden the gold. Because pure gold is soft, it's dentable, it's vulnerable. Pure gold is that 0.9999% gold, right? And it's soft. But that softness gives it the highest value. But it also makes it vulnerable. So So what the jewelers do is they take these five metals And they melt it in to harden the gold to cope with the environment. Please track this. They harden the gold so that the gold will be more durable. It's a great practical idea. If you're a jeweler. But we are gold. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Let, let me just read some of these, these things to you here. So they add these metals, to, and what happens is it lowers the purity, creating lower grades of gold, such as 24 karat gold. 24, 24 karat um, gold is pure gold, sorry. 22 carat is 91.7% pure gold. Not too bad. It's a decent compromise right? Then 18 carat is 75% pure. 14 carat is 58.3% pure. 10, 10 carat is 41.7% pure, and 9 carat is 37.5% pure. It's durable, but it's lowered at its value. Tracking? Now, let's talk for a second. Over the last period of our lives, maybe we've been through difficult seasons, maybe even in the last three years, life's been tough. Whether it's been government stuff, whether it's been family, whether it's been friends, whether it's been church friends that have up and left and attacked us and we felt abandoned. What we can do at times, and I can say this because I've been a pastor for 12 years and I've been on pastoral staff for 10 years prior to that. What we can do sometimes is we cope and compensate by protecting our hearts to make ourselves more durable. But Jesus lived vulnerable. This is, this is challenging right now. This is tough because when people do things to us, we feel personally attacked. And what that does is it gets to your heart because you lead with your heart. And people that are close have the access of your vulnerability, and when they damage it, they damage your heart, and without making a statement, without going to Home Depot and buying materials, we build a little wall around our heart to make us more durable. And we're adding a little bit of contaminant there that isn't that bad, because I'm still gold. I still know the language. I still. I still can talk my way around the community, but there's the seed of resentment there, and there's the seed of just not really liking people a whole bunch, and I changed my DNA a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't something I consciously did. It's something that happened. See, it actually is a natural response, but we need to have a supernatural lifestyle. It is a natural response to wanna put up defense mechanisms. It happens without even a conversation or a board meeting. So the world, like you might have been abused in your life and so you developed a hardness to cope with the world and see what the world does, and says, well I became tough, I'm a self-made man or woman and I muscled my way through. Yeah. But that's contaminated gold. I've had to overcome terrible challenges too in my life. You might look at me and say, no, you've had a blessed life. I've had some tough stuff happen. Uh, Your mouth would drop open if I gave my testimony. Like for real. Traumatic, deep trauma stuff. About nine major traumatic events in my life that have been very, very tough to deal with. So I understand this statement. I'm sorry that stuff's happened to you. But Jesus... Didn't leave you unaware. He said, Hey, sign up here, 99.99 a month, and everything's going to be fine. No, he didn't. Come on. He said, In this life, you'll have many troubles, but I'm going to be with you. Don't harden your heart. Don't use your absence of Jesus and your willpower to get through seasons. Because what you're really doing is you're adding these other elements in. Right. Right. Self-sufficiency might be the copper. Ooh. Willpower might be the palladium. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Where we start compensating, like, don't worry, God, I got this. Right. You know that scripture in the Old Testament says God doesn't delight in the strength of a horse? The translation of that is is the strength of men and women to do things without him. He got, the, he got the children of Israel all out of Egypt, through the desert, even though they messed up, he got them into Canaan, killed all the giants, destroyed the cities, gave them their own cities, and then they're sitting there with their little board meeting. I mentioned this yesterday. And they're like, hey, i got a good idea. There's this one dude. Jacob probably was his name, all right? Puts his hand up at the board meeting. He's like, hey, i got a great idea. Let's go down to Egypt and buy 100 chariots so we got some security. See, God brought you out of the world. Why would you use worldly coping mechanisms to make you feel secure now? That's that scripture where God speaks to Israel and says, do not go to Egypt for your chariots. What he's saying is, don't go to Egypt for your strength and your security. I am your God. I gave you a gold box to carry around and anyone that's come against you has fallen. You see? And, and what happens is, is that we get into places and we get into seasons because God has been great in our lives and we honored him there but then we slowly forgot. It doesn't happen quick. The deceiver doesn't come in real suddenly. It's just a slow eroding of what the standard I carried, the value I took, the leniency, the, not the leniency, the, the dependency I had on God. See, what it just looks like is really it's pride, self-sufficiency, yeah. independence. Yeah. It's not that you say, I don't need God, but just by actions, I don't need you. Sure. You'd never say that, but you'll do that. Yeah. None of us would ever say it, yeah. but we do it. That, that friend, and, and trust me, guys, I, I've dealt with the same thing. Like your pastor, I've put my hand up on a few details over the last three years, and I've had people hate on me. We have lost friends. We have lost family people, like people that have just come at us. And your emotions are human, (laughs) and they step up, and they have feelings. But here's the thing. And I've been trying to teach some of the people in our community this a little recently. And some it works and other people, they just go back to their emotions because, well, I'm just a guy that has feelings. I, I understand that. We all have feelings. But if I lead by my emotions, I'm going to sink this ship. I have to discipline. I have to acknowledge my feelings. I have to be honest about my feelings. But I have to get a hold of them and say, you just saddle up, buddy. you let the Holy Spirit ride this horse. I am going to submit and yield myself to be leaning uh, leaning in on Jesus. And if he's given me marching orders, I'm going to be as kind and gentle to the people around me, but I'm not going to navigate using my feelings. Feelings, you know that thing we don't walk by sight? It doesn't say we don't walk by sight, we walk by feelings. Because I'll tell you right now, I would not be in this country serving this nation if I had feelings in it. I get to give Jesus my obedience, not my feelings. Jesus had feelings in Gethsemane, but he gave the Father his obedience. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's our response. We have to give the Father our obedience, not our feelings. It's okay to talk to him about your feelings. Matter of fact, that's the best person to talk to. Jesus said it. I said it recently, i got a whole lot of heat online for what I said, people getting so angry and people that don't read their Bibles but love to have ideas. They watched the Ten Commandments 30 years ago in Charlton Heston and now they know how doctrine works. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, in Gethsemane, says to the Father, if there's any way possible, take this cup from me. Now, do you think Jesus was low IQ? I think he was highly, highly intelligent more than anyone in this room. So when he said, if it's possible, don't think he had option B, C, and D ready to show God. Father, hey, here's a couple of good ideas. i got some good ideas. (laughs) He had feelings. That's why he said, if it were possible, take this cup from me, and immediately, that's inventing, Feelings are acceptable. They're okay. But feelings cannot navigate this boat. It's okay. If you don't acknowledge your feelings, you're going to start feeling crazy. So you've got to acknowledge them, but you don't feed them. You know, Gollum? (laughs) Yes, yes. You you, You start talking yourself into really bad ideas. Jesus acknowledged his feeling with the Father, and then he immediately shifted over and said, nevertheless, not my will. All of that stuff can go now. I've vented your will. I'm on mission. I'm going to fulfill this. I'm going to follow this through to the very end. And that's what Jesus did. And that's who we need to be without becoming robots because we've suppressed the pain in our hearts. And that's why I really believe there was so much power in the lifestyle that Jesus walked in. He constantly would withdraw from the crowds and the people and he would come to a place where he would say, okay, guys, I'm just going to head out for a minute and he'd go be with the father for two, three days. What was happening there? He was sharing everything in here and he was getting reset constantly. Not saying he sinned, not saying that at all. I'm saying that he was all God and all man and he had feelings. Anyone notice that Joseph, his father, wasn't at the cross? Anyone notice that? He had some some painful moments in his life that's just not talked about a whole bunch. There's a lot of stuff he dealt with that was painful, and yet it didn't divert him. And that's what the enemy's trying to do with us. He's trying to get into our emotions. Because can I just say this? The devil will never beat you on your spiritual platform. See, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He cannot come before the throne of God and defeat you. But what he'll try and do is he'll try and get you to abdicate your authority in the spirit and he'll call you from a spiritual playing field where he is defeated before he even starts down to an emotional playing field. And if he can get you to get up off that seat, seated with Christ in heavenly places, and get drawn out in your emotions onto a battlefield that you cannot win, you are going to take a whipping. Yes. Yeah. I've done it, you've done it. Yeah. No one wants to admit it, but it's happened. Yeah. Okay, and they're the moments in life where you, you can get some setbacks. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to say. That's why the scriptures tell us Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow flow the issues of life. What that means is, if this gets corrupted, life gets corrupted. If this gets damaged, life gets damaged. And can I say this? We get hurt. But don't coddle the hurt. Don't feed it. Don't build walls around it where you become the grumpy old guy. I don't trust anyone in this town. Everyone's betrayed me. Uh, don't turn into that person. That's just the hideous way to finish your life. Here lies grumpy Earl. Hopefully there's no Earl's here. Jesus' name. All right? I'm not saying that over you if you are an Earl, but you get what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's where that goes. It turns into a nasty place of just misery and mistrust and anger and hatred and resentment. And God's wanting to set us free. See, something that the Holy Spirit told me one day. You know one of those seven great statements that Jesus says at the cross? One of them is he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Now, this is a powerful moment, because... Hear me when I'm saying this. I want to make sure I say this correctly. Of course, Jesus was forgiving the soldiers. We know that, because he died sinless. But Jesus was protecting his heart. Because in that moment of heightened animosity, anger, and animalistic behavior... The hatred that was physically being expressed into him, the mocking, the spitting, the rejection, all of that spiritual, emotional pressure that was coming at him. You know what it was trying to do? It was trying to get into his heart. Yeah. That's what it was trying to do. It was, it was trying to, like, like putting a bridle on a horse so you can steer it, that's what this stuff does. It was trying to get into his heart. So Jesus was setting himself free in that moment by saying, Father, forgive them. He was pushing that thing away that was trying to get into his emotional realm. That's why he was able to say, Father, the devil has nothing in me. This is powerful, guys. Because the thing is, is that it's easy to see a Roman soldier or some military person or someone that's, you know, some high priest that's just acting like a demon. Because he probably was. Just as the enemy in that moment. But see, the devil's so cunning that he'll try and get little seeds that you don't notice it's happened. Just friends, neighbors, family, work colleagues, people in town that have rejected you. School friends that send abuse to you on your inbox. People that you used to love and respect that now won't even talk to you. And just little bits of that, and I'm telling you, the world has turned into a chaotic playing field where it's happening everywhere, where there's almost a turbulence to disorient you. Because there is a spiritual pressure trying to get into your heart. And for some of us, we know what I'm talking about tonight. I, I know this is the word of the Lord for tonight, because normally when God doesn't tell me and then he tells me at the last minute, I just know how he works with me. And I know even if it's for one person tonight, Jesus wants to set us free. Because you are gold. Your heart is gold. And while it can be sometimes a little scary living at a place of softness and vulnerability, it's the safest place that you can be. And it's the greatest representation. When I need to muscle up and protect myself, I'm actually pushing Jesus out of scenarios in my life. And that's not a safe place. Look, I'm telling you, anger, rage, hatred, they release animosity into the body, uh, endorphins and adrenaline. And it has a feeling of power, but it actually is giving up purity. Does this make sense? It it feels like you're in control, but you're actually losing control. Does this make sense? So, So I really just feel that God is really wanting to speak to our hearts because we're living in very... Like, this is some of the most unusual times in the history of this nation, if not the most unusual. Just look at the landscape. Financially, from a government point of view, socially, morally, even from a national security point of view. We're in some of the most strange, odd times... And there is a hostility. The Bible says this, and, and, and I do understand it refers in Revelation to the beast. Okay, and I'm not here to say the beast is is alive and well, although that's a very high possibility. It says that the beast made war with the saints to wear out their minds. Now that's interesting. But you've got to read down you, I've kind of paraphrased two sections into one, but you can, you can pull it together and you can see it's right there. It's interesting to me that the enemy is not trying to fight us spiritually. There's nowhere in Revelation where it says that the Antichrist will wage a spirit-round war. Now there's always spiritual warfare happening. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just saying they're not coming after you spiritually, coming after you mentally. in your emotions. It says that men's hearts would fail them for things coming on the earth. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? Men's hearts would fail them for things coming on the earth. Not ours. We're going to keep the purity of our hearts soft. And we're going to keep our dedication to Jesus alive and well. Amen? Amen. So I've got a couple of questions here that I just want to land, and then I want to pray for some folks, if that's all right. Now, the purity of our hearts is our most precious gift to him. Once you're saved, the purity of our hearts is the most precious thing to him. What did Jesus say? He said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone would open, I would come into him with my Father, and we would dine and drink together and share. Another paraphrase. You get the point. God is looking to be on the throne of your heart. And the more we become self-sufficient, the more we say to God, hey, we don't actually need you right here. And, and I'll just tell you straight up, every single person, I don't care, the greatest preachers on the planet have struggled with this. So don't think that you are a terrible person. The people that we believe are the greatest, most important, the most powerful Christian believers have dealt with this at times in their life. And it's just a good reminder in the midst of a fierce battle to come in and just let Jesus be your medic. Because if you, if you look at battlefields, like true battlefields, you'll actually see medics running around, shoring up the warriors, shoring up the soldiers, because you do take wounds in warfare. It's not wrong to be wounded. It's just wrong to pretend like you're not. You know that tough guy mechanism? I'll be right. Yeah, just, just let's just carry on. No, uh, that doesn't work. And, I, and I've been that guy at times. I'll be honest with you. I've been that guy at times. It's not... You don't muscle through these things in life. Anyone feeling like it's, that they're getting some, some kind of heart heart surgery right now, I really feel, I really feel that God's wanting to do something. Because this is a warrior house. This isn't for the faint of heart. And we need people that will take a pure stand. But in the midst of it, let's guard our hearts. It's not sin. It's just the little things that just slowly try and erode us from being soft hearted. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anyone here's messed up. I'm just saying it's something that we need to guard because it's an area where the enemy will try and slowly get us to shift. And before you notice it, like two years later, it's like, I don't even know if I feel anything anymore. Two questions, real quick. What areas is Holy Spirit calling us back to purity in? Individually, personally, what areas is Holy Spirit calling us back to purity in? Maybe it's forgiving somebody. Maybe it's stop trying to be in control of everything negative that's ever happened to you. Maybe it's stopping it owning the abuse of what's happened to you. Because some, some of us are so strung out on what's happened that we can't let it go, we can't stop talking about it, and it's just got a, it's got a throne there. So what areas is Holy Spirit asking us to? that go off. I just told you stories about HIV and little boy with with legs. That's a physical healing. But some of us need emotional healing. I'm not trying to make it wet and soppy, but the reality is is that feelings are feelings. When they're out of control, they can become dangerous. And here's the thing. This is something I've learned from, from the Lord. God will not take from you something you're not prepared to give. He is such a gentleman. Holy Spirit is such a gentleman that he will not demand something from you. That's why the father never came racing into the garden when Adam and Eve were biting the fruit. He didn't come. you notice that? You ever thought about that? He never came. Stop, 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 stop. stop. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be really bad. He respected their sovereignty to make that decision, and he let them make a choice. He's not a control freak. Right. And that's something that's really important to understand. He's not a control freak. But in the same way, he's also not gonna stop you living with coping mechanisms. You've gotta say, Jesus, here I am, help, I made a mess. Other people hurt me and I somehow took ownership of it and I put walls up and somehow I didn't realize but those walls were gonna affect my relationship with you. Isn't it funny how other people hurt us, we put walls up and now God doesn't feel like he's as close as he used to be. God didn't move, it's just that I can't hear him now. Or I can't hear him the same. You notice that? Yeah. So the enemy's using other circumstances to hit my heart so that it'll affect my relationship with God because that's where my covenant is. So, so, so I would challenge you to ask Holy Spirit is that, be like David, search my heart, O oh God. Show me if there's anything in me that's affecting this because I don't want anything in my life to be in between you and me. Question number two. How can we give him our purity? How can we give him our purity more? Because a pure heart. We know the scripture. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Him that has clean hands and a pure heart. It's not that we're not going to sin. It's just that God wants the purity of our heart to be in place. Does this make sense? Yes. So, so I'm going to land real quick. But I want to invite you, if you've felt over the last period of time. I'm going to ask you to be real vulnerable right now. If you've felt over the last period of time, hardness in your heart, a coping mechanism in place where painful things have happened or just life's happened and you just felt like, I'm oh, just not quite as joyful with Jesus as I used to be. It might not even be that. Everyone's got a different version of this because it hits everyone differently. But I'm going to ask you to come up the front here right now with me. I'm going to pray over you.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or BelovedChurchIllinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the beloved family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all
1: things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again
0: soon good bible of it